0: All right, we're back again with another episode or a quick episode of No GPS. Um, We're here today to talk about, in the interim, uh, not to the furthest depths of analysis that we're going to do later, but today we're going to talk about the recent Black Panther film, Wakanda Forever. And I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Mez. What's up, my man? How you doing? How you living? What's going on?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Living healthy. Nothing to complain.
0: Bless. Hey, I love it. I love it. So yo, I just watched Black Panther the other day. Um, I know that you watched it. So what are like some of the takeaways? Uh, Obviously, we're without Chadwick Boseman. And this film was in a sense and in essence, um, a tribute to him, um, which I thought was they done very, very, very beautifully. Must have been very hard for like Ryan Coogler and them to, to put that together. So like, how did you feel about that? Like he was a presence, but he was like a guiding ghost for the film right he could feel him there um kind of like queen Ra- Ramondo was saying like i can feel him when she's walking through the the field yeah and so it seemed like he was there the whole time Do you know what i mean um which i thought was uh hauntingly pleasant
1: yeah yeah they did the the um, ever since that day in august 2020 when the the news dropped that he passed mm-hmm. i was like uh all I could think of was this man that I've never met before, like this, this director Brian Coogler. Like, what the hell are he they gonna do? This is, what are they gonna do? Like, just generally. And then you, you know, ever since then, this whole like journey to this uh, movie coming out was kind of like uh, I was watching it with a, uh, with a uh, like like because um, I'm interested in the creative process. And then when there's like a tragedy that befalls that creative community, how they navigate themselves out of it, and then just happens to be within a a studio system where everything they can ask for they can get you know money is no money is no issue right i was just wondering like how all that just looks how all that just gets worked out and uh they did it man they uh honored him and they made and they told a story which for me i think what coogler is interested in through this whole black panther franchise i think at this point you can say even before a third movie comes out is Um, national
0: sovereignty
1: Wow! so like the the concept Mm. of sovereignty Mm. and it's meditation on sovereignty what would be like what are its contours past present and future what it would look like to maintain it Um, and at the same time it it knows that it's a fantasy so the first movie introduces a certain group of people in the world to uh, a future city you know, a future city that, that allows to be futuristic because its past was never meddled with. Right. So it's kind of like a. I've always thought of Wakanda as the Afrofuturistic answer to the Afrocentric Kemet. Oh. So the, the Afrocentric such Kemet, and the Afrofuturist says Wakanda. Mm. And in this film, it extended it, it introduced it to even another. Fantasy kind of sovereign landing spot. What if we had never been uh, interrupted? Uh, which is the uh, Mesoamerican indigenous community, and and uh, remember, <laughs> remember the comics says Atlantis, which is a Greek myth piece. And my guy yanked it all the way from Greece, all the way to the uh, coast of the Atlantic, and and made it Mesoamerican. He uh, he said, here, here you go. Here's a fantasy spot for you guys. So and then yeah throughout the movie we're gonna talk about this obviously over the next weekend but yeah that's what i took out of it um really well made if, if there's any flaws in the film it's more technical right because of they had to shoot it within a year of its release yeah had to rewrite it within six months before shooting after his passing
0: right it's
1: like there's some funny edits and you know the usual stuff with these spectacle movies is like about the Oh, that's the, that didn't
0: look that right or whatever. But other than that, it was masterful. I really liked it. Yeah, I was I was thoroughly. I can't say surprised because the first one was so 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 impactful and so great. But like the inclusion of the Mesoamerican indigenous peoples and to see their their culture untouched was a sight of just pure joyousance, just aesthetic pleasure, and just to believe that and see that like there's no resistance here. They're living in an utter romantic version of the past and you know they take their shots at the spanish empire the spanish language uh which a lot of times we forget that uh spanish itself is a colonial language <laughs> spanish pe- uh, speaking people forget that sometimes but uh i thought that was amazing i thought that was even kind of like enrique dussel of of uh and, and you know i'm gonna stop it after this point just because you know we get onto other matters but i thought that was very enrique dussel because enrique dussel shows like the beginning of like new world philosophy or, or philosophy in modernity like starting in mesoamerica in mexico in the dominican republics and not in europe per se right like he's he's showing like certain thinkers um were the originary points of some of these questions of modernity, whether they're math, whether they're ethical, starting elsewhere outside of uh, the Mediterranean, outside of the Greco-Roman orbit. So I thought that that was cool that Ryan Coogler did that. That was a, a philosophical framework that he just switched on its head i thought that was i'm like yeah it's a fantasy you can get creative with it so yeah so like, yeah we're gonna get into it um so that's just a little bit of you know our feelings about you know the movie that came out so i'm definitely gonna watch it again before we we get on it just to analyze some some of the the dialogues that they were happen, having that were just so impactful and i was like wow there's a lot here that i want to unpack
1: right so just a quick one uh, because i said that he took it from the greeks you know atlantis yeah. the sunken city uh, what he also took from that though and reapplied and readapted in a in a very very kind of détournement like the colonial way is you know the siren story from homer or whatever it is right
0: that's a that immediately to yeah
1: yeah he took the sirens and ludwig Gorenson the uh, the composer yeah he said when he went to research for what kind of music those ancient indigenous communities, the Incas, the Mayans, the Aztecs, what they played, he actually found that a lot of it was lost. A lot of the music was lost, a lot of the instrumentation was lost and um, it took him a lot of research but then at a certain point he had to imagine what kind of sounds they would have made with uh, whatever instrumentation remained. And so it was kind of striking that the, the sounds that they were making in the ocean was kind of you know reflected back at the imperialist ship and used as a weapon right so here's the music that you stole from us that we could that we no longer have to being repurposed to to um, attack you or to uh, kind of hypnotize you and make you walk into your own death which was i thought you know it could it, it could be like a hokey uh superhero thing but it also made a lot of sense that the siren were being used you know in in a kind of um, reflective way you know like they just turned it turned the whole thing against itself. right it was nice anyway that was all i was gonna say it just came quickly to my mind
0: that's dope that's dope
1: reserve the rest for the, for the next
0: <laughs> all right so we'll see you guys at the top or the end of the week we'll get back to it so peace and love and uh wishing you well have a great week guys peace In diamonds and pearls.